Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Amit Man. Please do rate, review, subscribe, like on YouTube and all the podcast platforms. It would be muy appreciated. Uh, joining me today is Sean Woodley of the Locked on Raptors podcast. Sir, thank you for joining me on this Friday, sunny Friday in Toronto. It's lovely. Thanks. for Yeah, thanks for having me, Amit. It's uh, it's cold but sunny uh which is kind of my dream weather i i'm a like give me five degrees it's better than 40 degrees kind of person so i i'm i'm living it i'm i'm, I'm living my best life right now the love the brisk november weather <laughs> you're a fall guy for that month i am a fall guy no no i'm bad at video games but uh i am a fall guy <laughs> sporting uh, a new setup for your uh, for your podcast it looks great you're you're arm there has the wingspan of scotty barnes it looks like it does yeah uh it also uh almost gave me the same injury as scotty barnes when i was setting it up uh my word to the wise is when you open a large piece of machinery and there's a big yellow piece of tape on it that says warning spring loaded listen to it uh, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I can just chop this open and then boom, snap my finger in it." Uh, but I'm good. I'm all. I'm all good. And now I, yeah, I'm no longer recording at my kitchen table with my living room as the background, which is nice. <laughs> you were day to day, just like Scotty Barnes, and you are returning, just like Scotty Barnes. Uh, he's going to play tonight <laughs> against the Cavaliers, which we get to finally see Evan Mobley versus Scotty Barnes. That is such. It's going to be so much fun, right? Who knew that the Cavs and Raptors, after so many years, has some luster to it once again. Gotta love it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I, I um I, I I'm curious to see particularly Mobley. I know they're not I don't know how much they'll match up. I guess they nominally play the same position for their teams, but you know, the Raptors, you know, kind of throw positions to the yeah, wind yeah, and all yeah. that. But I, I do wonder like how does Evan Mobley destroy the progress the Raptors have made in their half-court offense recently. Because, like, they haven't played a defender like him yet, which is crazy to say about a rookie, but, like, Mm -hmm. he's blowing everything up. He was, like, smothering Damian Lillard on switches a couple games ago. And Uh I'm pretty fascinated to see, like, you know, the Fred Van Vliet mid-range jump shot. I'm expecting Mobley to block it into oblivion at least twice in this game. Not through any sort of fault of Fred's. It just seems like Mobley is kind of one of those apparitions who can just appear in the spot where he needs to be to do a defensive thing. Um, so that's the thing I'm fascinated by. It's not so much the Barnes versus Mobley. It's the Mobley versus the incrementally improving Raptors offense. It's a good one that you mentioned because we are going to get into that. Today with Sean, we are going to look at things that we've learned about the Raptors so far. And so we are going to talk about the half-court offense um, at some point. But first, uh, Sean, we're going to go through a few different items, six, seven, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, start us off. What is the first thing that you've learned about the Toronto Raptors so far this season? Yeah, I think it's tied to Scotty Barnes. And I think we've learned that the Raptors are ahead of schedule with where we thought they would be right like I I think he has sort of expedited the timeline by being this good and this ready already 
bad phrasing. Uh, <laughs> I need to get a thesaurus, but like this soon to be this good and all encompassing yeah. and, and able to sort of put up 18 just by accident in a lot of cases. It's not like he's looking for his own offense. He's just like kind of has a nose for the ball in the basket. Mm-hmm. Kind of this being the baseline for Scotty Barnes really says to me that, oh, like in the next couple of years here, it's going to be go time. And this this core that has like these sort of disparate timelines, I think it all kind of is now maybe on the same timeline because of how good Scotty's been so far. You know, I, I think you might have you know looked at this season and said, OK, we'll see what happens if Scotty still is going to be a project. And there's, you know, maybe two or three years until he's going to be, you know, some sort of, you know, close to fully formed version of himself. And I mean, no player is fully formed until they're like 10 years into their career. So you know what I mean? But, you know, if he's going to be this already, which is maybe what you would have hoped he would be in year two or three, that mm-hmm. I think lines up the Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, OG core a lot better with him. And, you know, I know there's all these sort of compulsions to, you know, oh, Scotty Barnes is great. Trade Siakam because he's surplus to requirements. That's stupid. That's dumb. Uh, why not have all of the good six foot nine power forwards on your team and build your team that way and kind of roll with it with this era that I think now has a lot more ceiling to it than I would have thought, you know, with my assumptions that Scotty Barnes was going to take a few years to come along. No question. He's on that entry level contract too, for a few mm-hmm. more seasons. It's and big. now you are, yeah. yeah. And you've already paid Pascal. You've paid OG, you paid Fred. They're all locked up. And so there is a bit of a window here. Like we talked about, I've been really impressed by his finishing, um, especially mm-hmm. in traffic. I mean, I anticipated a little bit that he was going to get some easy buckets just because he is massive in every which way. So transition, um, mismatches, things of that nature. He's just going to be able to uh, score. So, you know, 10 points a game, 12 points a game. I think that was the expectation, at least for me personally. But it was it's the finishing and traffic that's really impressed me. Mm -hmm. And especially with this post ups, it doesn't really matter kind of who it is. He's able to kind of find ways to get his shot off and you know, when it comes to offensive rebounding and putbacks, like he's not phased by some of the trees that are in there. And I mean, Evan Mobley is going to yeah. be another tree that he's going to probably encounter tonight. Uh, but it's been very impressive. Like I, I, I can't really, I can't really fathom what would be going through a rookie's mind in some of those situations. But he just has this composure. He's so cool. He's just a cool guy <laughs> on and off the court. He's very cool. Yep. Yeah, he's very <laughs> relaxed, and, and I think. You know, the finishing around the basket is, I'm with you. Like, I was not expecting that. You know, you heard all the sort of, I mean, it's like the the lore at this point. He was branded as a zero-level scorer coming into out of college. And, you know, mm. maybe it was wrong to sort of project him as that, considering the touch and feel he already kind of had. I mean, that sort of translates well to touch and feel around the basket, you would think. And he's also just freaking massive. Like, you mentioned the trees Oftentimes he is the tree, right? Like he's mm-hmm. so long, he's so lean, like he he just like can kind of rise up above guys. I mean, the the bucket that still kind of sticks out to me, it was kind of an innocuous one, not really like a big one in terms of like the flow of the game necessarily compared to some others, but it was that second Pacers game on the road last weekend where he backs down to Montes Sabonis, who has two or three inches on him, and just kind of like flips a little hook shot over, yeah. like no chance of it being blocked, just kind of knew the angle and the exact sort of place to place it. I that I did not expect whatsoever and that being a part of his game where he's just super efficient from inside 10 feet that's such a crucial sort of building block for his overall offensive game right and we've already seen Mm -hmm. the pull-ups and stuff like that I mean I'm like blown away with the progress on offense I think the defense still has a ways to come but offensively just so far ahead of schedule that I don't know how you can't sort of think about the timeline of this Raptors team differently after watching him for what is it six games like it's already been that impressive 
Nick Harris has kind of alluded to it too, that one-on-one defense is, you know, pretty good, obviously just because of what the tools that he has, but as a mm-hmm. team defender, he's got a ways to go and that is completely mm-hmm. expected. Like he's kind of like accelerated, accelerated the timeline in so many different areas. We can let him have that. He's just kind of getting there yeah. slightly bit by bit on the defensive end when it comes to the team aspect and, you know, being around Fred and OG and Pascal over the season, I have no doubt that he's going to make strides in that area. I love seeing him in transition, you know, his North South, mm-hmm. Like when he did, when he makes those Euro steps, it is so fast and you can't really stop it. I compare it to like, he is like the potato wedge and anyone who's behind him, who's, who's coming, he's going towards is like a small fry, right? Like you just, you can't, it doesn't matter who it is because he's coming with so much luster and speed. And that's when you see like his characteristics, his body type. That's where it really shows how uh, unique he is at this stage of his NBA career. I mean, the the Giannis comparisons are are rampant already, and I don't think it's actually <laughs> I don't think it's actually that crazy. Just because he's closer to what Giannis is now than Giannis was when he entered the NBA. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's funny you mentioned that it's like fast when he's in transition, which it obviously is. I mean, he can go like end to end in three dribbles. That's obviously fast, but it also feels. Like, it's not fast to him, and he's got it, like, slowed mm-hmm. down, you know what I mean? Like, and he do- he doesn't do, like, he's the antithesis of Precious Achua in transition, where Achua's just like, basket, must go, and just, like, goes <laughs> head down no matter what, like, is going on around him. Whereas Scotty, like, always head up, always kind of aware of, you know, where his options are. And, I mean, that's only going to get more refined as he goes, right? And as yeah. they kind of add more transition weapons between, you know, Pascal's ability to run and, you know, Utah's ability to kind of be a trailer, I, you know, th- this is going to be really exciting to watch this team in transition all season long. And Scotty Barnes, I think, is the biggest reason for it. No question. Right now, they're fifth in transition possessions, but 15th in uh, points per possession. So there's yeah. obviously some room for growth there. And I think Utah and Pascal, they're going to help quite a bit um, in that mm-hmm. area. I wanted to talk about Ken Birch because, yeah. I mean, it took him a little bit, while, a little while to get going. But since you know the past four games or so, he has been so impressive on the defensive end. And I wanted to talk about him anyways. But then yesterday, he just gave us these amazing quotes. And he pretty much mm-hmm. said that, I don't care about scoring. I never have. I had to score last year because it was a contract year. And obviously it helped his marketability, uh, the contract mm-hmm. that he got from the Raptors. He's like, but I don't want to score. It's not my, it's not my deal. It's not my thing. I just want to win games. And I do mm-hmm. that by being a presence on the defensive end, by helping the ball move and just not getting in the way on offense. And um, if Nick Nurse was there at that moment, I'm sure he just would give him a big hug. He's like, that's my guy. <laughs> that's my dude right there. Cause that's yep. all Nick wants, right? <laughs> Uh, they've had a lot of success over the past little while uh, just with that four wide offense. And then you have Cam as the screener. And that's kind of been where, you know, they've, you're seeing the the Raptors and their one-on-one ability the some of the scores that they have, it's kind of coming out, you know, they're not mm-hmm. the best passing team by any means. And we're going to get into the offense a little bit later on, but having just Cam as your screener, and then you have your, your short rolls and you have like so many options at that stage. Like that's kind of what they, they need because they don't have necessarily like the best, I mean, natural passers by any means. I mean, Fred's a great yeah. passer, but they don't have a, a plethora of these guys. So it is going to be kind of depending on the one-on-one abilities of their assorted players. And Kem is happy to be in that role. And that's where I think he's kind of separating himself from Precious is that ability to, he, he's an NBA veteran in some ways. You know, he just, mm-hmm. he knows what his role is. He knows what his expectations are and he knows what uh, the team needs. And he's happy to do that. Well, Precious, he's still finding himself. He's finding his, his, his groove in the NBA. And that's going to be something that's going to take time for him. But uh, starting lineup, pressure situations, 
you probably want Kem there, <laughs> I would think. Yeah, I, um, you know, as far as starter versus bench, like, I don't really care that much. Like, I care more about who's closing the game than anything else. And if, you know, keeping yeah. Precious in there for some ceremonial minutes helps his confidence, then, you know, I'll trust Nick Nurse to kind of be able to read the room and, and read his players and whatnot. And I think he's done the right job, right thing in the last couple of games and playing Ken Birch late down the stretch and not playing Precious. Um, I just, mm -hmm. I love Ken Birch because he has kind of invalidated two of the sort of like overarching Raptors takes from the last year or so that I've hated the most. Uh, the first is that they were wrong to not keep Gasol or Ibaka and were wrong to sort of go the mercenary center mm -hmm. route. Obviously yeah. it didn't work out with Aaron Baines, but it made sense what they were doing and thinking, hey, we can fill this position for cheap and still get, you know, a simulacrum of the production we were getting from Gasol and Ibaka. Obviously, Baines was just not cut out for it. Lots of circumstances there. You know, he had just had a kid before. Lots of stuff going on with Baines, and I felt bad for him by the end. But Birch yeah. comes in last year and kind of proves, oh, no, yeah, you could have just kind of rolled with a guy. You just needed someone a little bit more competent than Baines. But the idea mm -hmm. was right, and I think we're seeing it more this season that, like, yeah, they could have gone out and signed. The second thing that I don't like is the, oh, they should have just burned all their cap space on Rashawn Holmes and brought him in. Look, Rashawn Holmes is a fine player. He's totally nice. But Ken Birch does basically the same stuff, a little bit less, obviously. He's not scoring the way Rashawn Holmes does, but he sort of keeps the offense moving. He greases the wheels, and he doesn't take away shots from guys you'd prefer to have getting sh have shot having shots go to. And yeah, I think sure. if, A, Rashawn Holmes were on the team, you would see he's taking a lot more shots, taking you know reps away from a Scotty Barnes or an OG. Ken Birch doesn't do that. He's low usage. He's low maintenance, and that's great. Mm -hmm. And then I also think like the, just the, the cost of a Rashawn Holmes, as much as it would have been nice to use the cap space when you had it, you don't have to go and do that. You can use your cap space in other ways. You can bring in a guy like Dragic who you hope to flip for something down the line and, you know, bring in a developmental guy like Precious who hopefully, you know, you end up paying money to down the line and you don't have to worry about not having Rashawn Holmes. I, I just, I'm glad that we saw kind of uh, the, the floater game from Birch kind of helps just hammer home the point because he does the same thing that Rashawn Holmes does again, yeah. less often, but he has that sort of killer foot floater slash push shot thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think he kind of validates the decision not to go burn all that money and tie up another medium to large size contract in another guy who isn't actually changing your overall life or ceiling. Like, the guys who matter for this team are Siakam, Barnes, OG, Fred. Rashawn Holmes was not altering the ceiling in any way. And I think Kem Birch, for a third of the price, is doing just enough of an admirable, jo an admirable job. And it's probably a better defender overall than Rashawn Holmes is anyway. That yeah. I think you're very happy with the decision you would have made if you're the front office. You got to worry about having too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Exactly. And, it's kind of you're, and too many just yeah. like dudes making lots of money. It's hard, right? Like they have yeah, contracts sure. they got to give out and have given out. Like, it's just, you're really going to go into the tax for Rashawn Holmes, man? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the time, because we were so desperate, the fan base was so desperate, and we were going mm -hmm. through this losing season that was so foreign to us and haven't really felt that in a long, long time. And hopefully we won't feel for a long, long time again, because it seems like this mm -hmm. team is very much legit and they're going to be here to stay, especially with this core going forward. Um, but Cam, like you're talking about, I mean, over the past four games, his defensive rating is 97.7 which is mm -hmm. like well high and above uh, anyone on the Raptors who's playing at least 20 minutes a game. And those kinds of things that we're talking about defensively, um, his ability to kind of anticipate plays, uh, the way that he is able to 
protect the rim, but also kind of guards smaller players. And he's competent at that, right? He He's not going to yeah. hurt you at that position. And like, we're seeing Fred abuse players like Nikola Vucevic um, when, they're, when they're on the perimeter, you don't have to worry so much about that with, with Ken Birch. He's going to do at least his job and he's not going to hurt you. He's your stay at home defenseman, so to speak. Yeah. And, and just to, I don't want to belabor the Rashawn Holmes thing anymore, but like, no, please. You mentioned the defense <laughs> that Cambridge is capable of, the switching he's able to do, the rim protection he's he's offering. Like, it, it's really impressive, and, and it was stout last season too. And you look at the Kings, and last year they were literally the worst defensive team in the history of basketball, like just an absolute tire fire. And this year they're 25th in defense. Yeah. Look, I know it's not Davion Mitchell's fault this season. I know it's not Harrison Barnes's fault. I'm not saying it's Rashawn Holmes's fault that the Kings are a horrible defense. It's probably more Luke Walton than anything because that guy is a terrible mm-hmm. coach. But like, it's not nothing to note that two very, very bad defensive teams in the last two Kings teams were anchored by Rashawn Holmes at center. And I wonder if you swapped Ken Birch in there, how much better would that defense look? You know, you will never know, and it's not yeah. fair to just use the defensive ratings of the Raptors and Kings to say, oh, Ken Birch is the better move here. But for the price, absolutely Ken Birch was the better move. I don't even think it's sure. a question at this point. Yeah. As we're on the subject of comfort in their new role, I'm going to switch to Gary Trent Jr. Because, sure. of, yeah. And again, because of uh, comments that Nick made yesterday and also Ken Birch made yesterday, which kind of went viral in a way where he said that um, <laughs> he couldn't believe how much better uh, Gary Trent is at defense this year compared to last year. And he was kind of getting <laughs> at the idea that both of them are much more comfortable in their roles because of they have their, mm-hmm. their contracts, right? They're not thinking about the things that they need to do to get that payday. They have it. Sure. And now they, now they just want to help the team. And uh, Nick mentioned yesterday that uh, they didn't do like a closing interview with Gary because he was a restricted free agent. But right. in Vegas, he said that they did talk about what they wanted to uh, see from Gary this year. And what they said was, one-on-one defense, you know, improve your tenacity and catch a two percentage. Mm-hmm. They wanted him to yeah. up that level. And he's kind of doing both. He's matching that level that uh, that OG and Fred have kind of stapled that this is this is the level we play at now. And he's matching it, if not exceeding it, uh, possession by possession, because he obviously doesn't have the same responsibilities on the other end of the court. And so he has the yeah. energy. He's 22. Go run. <laughs> Show yeah. us you can do it. And it's been... It's been uh, a great change of pace for the Toronto Raptors to have another player like Fred on the perimeter who's that aggressive. And there are a few plays that I've seen where Gary's going for a steal and he picks up a foul or something like that. And Fred's, he's not saying you shouldn't have done that. He's saying good job because this is yeah. what they, this is what they want to do. They want to see that aggression and his improvement in the in, in timing and kind of uh, knowing when the right time is to to, cope, to poke for the ball and when it is to, you know, to stay at home is just improving. And I'm sure he's worked with Fred and OG in both of those areas. And uh, I mean, Gary's, he's kind of showing up and proven to us that he absolutely deserved that contract. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised that the last 19 games of last season weren't terribly telling about what Gary Trent was going to be, right? Because yeah. that was garbage time. It, the team was in full garbage time mode. They were unhealthy. He was playing way above his head in terms of usage and, and, you know, what his ultimate role would be on this team. And, you know, he also got hurt, right? And and there's just no structure at all to that back part of the season. And so I'm not surprised Mm -hmm. that we didn't really get a good reflection of Gary Trent Jr. He feels like the kind of guy who was elevated when he's playing with good players because it's going to accentuate his strengths, especially if he's going to lean in on defense like this. I mean, that just kickstarts what the Raptors want to do, which is turn the ball over and run down the other team's throat. He helps with that. He obviously, the catch and shoot, the spacing he offers is 
so essential to everything the Raptors want to do, you know, it's going to get tight. There are going to be times where they only have three shooters on the floor, you know, depending mm-hmm. on what Pascal does with his shooting. Is it, does it come back up to normal? That obviously is a game changer if it does come back to 36% or whatever. But yeah. like the space that Gary Trent Jr. offers and also just like sometimes there's something to be said for a guy who's just willing to call his own number, especially on a team like this where offense can be hard to come by. And he has shown a bit of a propensity for creating shots for himself mostly mm-hmm. in the mid-range, which isn't ideal, you, you guess, obviously. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But like he's finding the sort of craft in that mid-range game as well. You know, he's realizing that people know that pull up from 18 feet is now a weapon for him. And he's using that against defenses. We saw that with a few really nice passes. You know, the one to Ken Birch through traffic against the Wizards. Was it the Wizards? It might have been the Knicks either way. It was like a gorgeous, like in traffic pocket pass. Uh, a couple of little more examples of that too. Like I, I think yeah. he's kind of rounding out his game and becoming like a really, really effective fourth or fifth option. And, and you know, the, the the money certainly. I was not never worried about the money anyway because worrying about the, the money is never cool. That's not what we watch sports for. Um, but like, <laughs> and it's all fine. They're under the cap, whatever. It's fine to me. I don't. I didn't really care. And you paid maybe extra to have shorter term, and maybe the contract is more movable. I don't really know what the thinking was there. Yeah, they might over overpaid on first glance, but ultimately, the way he's playing right now, totally a reasonable contract and. Um, you know, maybe they're looking at, I wish they'd given him extra years, uh, because of that player option on year three, but yeah, I I think he's been everything you could possibly ask for. And he's given me a lot of belief that the best lineup for the Raptors is going to be that small ball look of Van Vliet, Trent, and then Siakam, OG and Barnes. Like he's been good enough defensively. He's got enough size at the two in a way that they haven't had that before when they've gone small in the past. I mean, he's bigger than Norm Powell, who was their nominal three when they played small last year. It's I just know. bigger. It's Crazy, nastier. Right? It's more aggressive. And they're <laughs> shooting everywhere, uh, especially if Siakam can kind of bounce back after last season. So yeah, shout out to Gary Trent, a wonderful, wonderful role player who I will never get angry at for heat checking because sometimes you just got to have a dude who's willing to stick his hand on the stove. <laughs> Now Norm's playing the three at in Portland at, at six four. Yeah. So that's a, a Portland yeah. problem. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but the backcourt there defends so well, so it'll he'll, it'll be fine, right? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> As we talk about uh, Gary Trent calling his own number, I I anticipate that once Pascal comes back, that uh, his shots are going to go down quite a bit. Like as Nick said, you know, back he's going to have five, such and... open looks, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true, but that's what I'm kind of getting at. That I remember uh, against Game Five against the Warriors when KD came back and. Uh, people are asking like oh nick how are you gonna defend all these guys he's like well there's only one ball 
So, yeah. you know, we'll start, we'll start there. And I think with Gary, um, he's going to have to improve that catch two percentage. And that's kind of what Nick yeah. was getting at. Cause he anticipated that, you know, they want to get Scotty a lot of shots earlier in the yeah. season. He had 17 shots and Nick's like, yeah, that's good. But we want to see more. We want to see yeah. more shots from Scotty. So now you got OG who's taking a leap. You got Scotty and you got Pascal. Then you got Fred too, who, while he says that, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to take a, a step back on the offensive end to, orchestrate offense for everyone he's still a point guard so he's going to be a big part of it it's now you got Mm -hmm. gary and yeah he's at 41 percent right now but i i look at danny green in 2018-19 he shot Mm 47.4 percent on catch and shoot threes right and gary right now is at 41.2 i mean he's doing a great job but like that's kind of the ceiling that we could potentially see this season as he continues to work on it and an example would be mellow this year um, yeah. He said that he's taken like a few steps back in a few different areas when he comes to his training and what he's working on. And he's saying that, you know, catch and shoot per- and percentage is something that's been really pushed at me that I need to improve this. Yeah. And last season he was at 37 or 39%. This season is at 50. Right. So yeah. this is a person like accepting their role and saying, this is how I'm going to help the team. And I hope that Gary, I'm sure he is, he's going to keep on working at this because that is an area that is just going to make the Raptors a whole different kind of better on the offensive end, if he just becomes like damn near automatic when it comes to catch and shoot threes. Yeah. I mean, there's no disagreement there, man. He's uh, I think blown expectations out of the water and yeah. makes it. So there's lots of different sort of, he brings <coughs> a lot of flexibility, right? Cause you can kind of insert Trent into any lineup and instantly there's more space and breathability and shot creation. And that's a nice little luxury to have, you know, even if he's going to come off the bench once they're fully healthy, which I don't think he should, but, you know, if he does, you know, he's going to be able to kind of hold up that second unit, I think, in a way that maybe we didn't expect coming into the year. And that's a whole different debate. Who's going to start? Who shouldn't? When do you do it? Anyways. Start um, small. They're the five best players on the team. They're going to be awesome. Scotty Barnes in the middle floor on the short roll is going to be disgusting. Play the five best players. It's not hard. Okay. Well, there you go. Nick, you listening? (laughs) Nick Nurse? (laughs) Get on the call. Um, Another thought from from you, sir. What else else do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing we've learned is that OG, this is real, I think. Um, you know, the first couple of games, obviously rough, you know, the, the shooting percentages and all that stuff. But if you cut out those first couple of games, the efficiency is looking very reasonable for a guy with as much of a burden as he's had. And I just think the bag that he's shown, you know, maybe it doesn't happen this year where he becomes quote unquote like a 1A scorer or something like that. But like the bag he's shown, the versatility on offense that he's shown, the sort of diversity of the buckets he's been able to to find, yeah. that is star level stuff. I, you know, I read off on my own podcast earlier this week, the 13 baskets he scored against the Knicks, just kind of read them off all in sequence from NBA.com. And uh, every single one, except for, I think he had two catch and shoot threes. Every single other one was a differently mm-hmm. created basket, which is not easy to do there was you know stuff where he's improvising post-ups he's driving he's pulling up from mid-range he's got the step back three like he's got like the turnaround baseline fadeaway like it's all there and the package is really tantalizing and look there's still growing pains and all that you know some there's going to be some wonky shooting nights but i think things are going to get easier for him when siakam returns because there's less attention paid his way there's not going to be two or three bodies just flying at him when he's in the corner like there was a couple times against the wizards or the knicks And it's just going to be that much easier. And we're seeing him do the thing that stars do, which is leverage extra attention into, you know, buckets for others with the passing that he's shown, you know, on the move on his drives that are the big to big stuff, the drive and kick. He's got that beautiful like wraparound pass to the opposite wing that he's kind of working on. 
And then, you know, he's just good at just like making the simple pass too. When Barnes or Kem flashes to the paint, you know, after a double team, you know, he's easily finding the, the, the them through the help as well. And it's just been really cool to see him kind of add all these little elements. And so, yeah, you know, am I expecting him to be like an all-star this season? Maybe that's too much to ask. You know, it's going to be tough sledding and all that. But like he's proving to me that he can be a guy who can keep your offense afloat as a one or two scorer. Whatever the ultimate ceiling is, I don't know. We have to wait and see. It's not going to be achieved this year, but the early yeah. signs are extremely encouraging. And the thing that gets me the most is just the diversity with which he's getting his shots off. I agree with everything you said. And the other thing that really is impressive about OG, and we saw this from like day one when he entered the NBA, is that there is a composure about him. I don't know if he does yoga yeah. or something like that, but he doesn't get phased by the moment. And if you want to be a number one option, you cannot be phased by the moment. And that is a rare quality that it takes years for players to, to learn and to achieve. And he had it from day one and looked no further than that shot he hit against the Celtics in game yeah. three. When he just hit the shot, it was like 0.5 on the clock or whatever it was. And he didn't even react afterwards. Small yeah. smirk, little little bit of this. And th that was it, right? Like he was already moving on to the next game. And that's just, it's something that you just, you don't see in a lot of players. And that kind of mm -hmm. gets me thinking about, you know, what he's going to be able to be, especially in, in the coming years. And when as a number one option, like you have to be able to make really quick reads. And he's already doing that mm -hmm. this year. There was a turnover he had against the New York Knicks that he alluded to where he sailed the ball over uh, Gary Trent's head when he got doubled around yeah. the baseline. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, I, I saw that and uh, I know what I had to do um, instead because uh, there was a person like he was uh, cutting along the baseline that he could have found. Mm -hmm. And he's already seeing all these things. Right. And so I like, I don't know, man, I, I'm starting to think like how, how often, how many shots should he be taking a game? Like when Pascal comes back, because I had a vision going coming into the season, but now that OG is what he is, I'm not sure how they, how, how do you figure this out? Like it shouldn't just be, you know, he gets 18 today and he gets 15 today. It's going to be based uh, on matchups. Sure. But yeah. because of his tough shot making ability, which is something that I didn't anticipate coming this year. I don't know. Like you kind of do have to guarantee him a certain amount of shots. I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's going to get them, right? I think he's going to probably stagger with bench lineups quite a bit and carry those, I, I would yeah. assume. Um, you know, if you're going to sort of stagger combos, you know, I think like a Scotty OG sort of duo to play with bench mm -hmm. guys might make a lot of sense. And then those guys can each kind of get their own run while Siakam and Fred can kind of do their thing. Like, you know, we sort of, I think, look at it a little bit too sort of like black and white sometimes in terms of like rotation patterns and, you know, things evolve throughout games and, you know, like teams gear their defense in a specific way that might lead to one guy getting more shots than another. You know, it's kind of a game to game thing. But I do think when Pascal is back, it's going to be easier for OG to get easy looks and maybe he gets a couple fewer looks, but I think the efficiency will probably go up even more just because there is that lessened attention on him, right? And I think there's going to be... I'm really looking forward to like death by a thousand cuts with this team because Scotty's a good cutter, Pascal's a good cutter, OG's a good cutter, Fred's mm -hmm. good cutter. Like everyone, Trent's been a great cutter so far. Like sure. they're gonna run a lot of weird sort of elbow stuff. I think Scotty's gonna be kind of central to a lot of it, and they're all gonna get good looks out of it. And the fact that now OG is showing passing chops, Fred obviously has shown improved passing chops this season. Uh, and then we're seeing Pascal, who we know had the the leap on playmaking last season. Plus, you get the, you know, the the, the Scotty playmaking as well. Mm -hmm. It's all just a wonderfully delight, de delectable package. And there's going to be a lot of just sort of 
giving what the defense or taking what the defense gives you and you might see different guys lead every night but i do think yeah it's going to be pretty equal by by season's end in terms of like usage for pascal og and the rest because it is a very sort of egalitarian setup they seem to have cooking here and it's kind of a, a credit to the front office and what they've built this season is that is that they have a lot of five tool players i like to call guys that can like drive and pass and shoot and handle the ball mm-hmm. and cut and yeah. that is something that they don't have anywhere near last year nick has said it a few times like our depth this year is way better and this is what yeah. he's kind of getting at is that he has players that he can put in a lot of different situations their offense mm-hmm. i mean it, it is kind of reactionary right they're depending on players to be able to make good reads and it's yeah. pretty basic in in i guess in the grand scheme right it's just high ball screens and then you kind of just operate from there maybe there's a short roll with the 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 person making the screen whatever it is but after that you're kind of depending on the three other players who are not involved in the screen to just sort of make good reads right and it's yeah. the cutting that we're talking about like right now they're ninth in isolation possessions they're 20th in post-ups they're 20th in off ball screens so these are areas that i'm looking at that this is probably stuff that can improve with scotty with mm-hmm. uh, pascal and you to making their returns is yeah. that those are two players who are just going to feast on some of those areas because I mean, Utah, he's a great cutter, very smart at it. Uh, Off ball screens. He can definitely do that. Post-ups, Pascal, OG. I would love to see them get more of those over the course of the season, because that's kind of like your safety in a lot of ways when, Mm-hmm. broken possessions happen there's like you know 14 seconds left on the shot clock let's just go to one of those two posting up then you're going to be able to probably get a decent shot out of it uh yeah. so those are some areas that i've left to see their offense kind of grow and if they are able to have like a top 15 ish offense and it seems like their defense is going to be at least uh 10 or better or 10 or below yeah. um they're going to be in a pretty good spot to potentially get a top six spot in the eastern conference at this point i would say yeah, I'm totally with you. I think there's uh, very much a path to fifth or sixth based on the Celtics looking embarrassing and the Hawks keep kind of going through some trouble and all that stuff. You know, I mean, They're oh, bored. The Celtics beat the Heat Come last on, man. night, so I'm sure they'll... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Trey Young. Yeah, we're bored. Good God. Uh, we're just bored, guys. Oh, okay, yeah. good. That's The fouling game is too difficult and I'm bored. Uh, lovely way to begin your season, Trey Young. I was just thinking, beginning to think you were cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, goodness. Um, as we wrap up the podcast, Sean, closing thoughts? Anything that comes to mind? Yeah, just in terms of other stuff that I think we've learned. I, you know, I think the thing with Fred and his mid-range game is a real game changer. And I think we've learned yeah. that that mid-range shot is going to be part of his repertoire. And that's going to help grease the wheels. Uh, you know, every little extra advantage this team can find, every extra sort of pet play they can go to, to get a bucket is going to be crucial because their half-court offense is obviously stodgy. So if they can find four, five, six sort of go-to options, that's mm-hmm. enormous. And that Fred Midranger looks like one of them right now. I'm curious to see how teams adjust to it. Do they alter the coverage on him? Do they drop against him less and all that? Um, but, you know, I, I do like that sort of wrinkle. I mean, he's shooting like 60% from that distance yeah. right now. Like, it's absurd the way he's knocking them down. And... If he's got that, then maybe the issue with him at the rim doesn't become so much of a problem. If he's forcing less shots at the rim because he knows he has that mid-ranger in his bag, and if the mid-ranger maybe makes his access to the rim a little bit easier because defenses are thinking about that 18-footer, I think that Mm -hmm. just kind of makes the whole Fred package a lot more presentable and uh, turns him into like just a very legitimate lead ball handling point guard who, again, is going to get some help when Siakam comes back. He's getting some help already from OG. 
Like he doesn't have to do everything the way, you know, he kind of has for time so far this season. I think his burden is going to get lesser and all of those little tools he's kind of added to his game are going to make it so he's that much more effective when he's on the floor. In addition to all of this sort of intangible stuff that he's done so far this season to really drive winning when he's been out there. Putting the team on his back in some ways. He's shouldering a huge load now that Kyle Harry is out here. As he said, you know, it's not really the offense, it's the defensive end. That's where he kind of misses Kyle because uh, he was kind of a leader right there right now. And now, uh, now Pascal or not Pascal, Fred is taking on that responsibility. And that is no easy task, especially with a Nick Nurse defense, but with uh, the mid range. um, I've been impressed just with his kind of dribble combinations in some of those situations because it's easy to say, oh, yeah, take more mid range shots. But they're under duress. That's why the mid range is going away is because they're tough shots. Like there's a lot of bodies yeah. in there. And uh, I mean, the wizards, they learned a valuable lesson that you don't drop against Fred Van Vliet because he will use and abuse you in those situations. So no question. He's been terrific in, that, in those situations. And I anticipate teams will change it up because he will continue to make those shots. Sean Woodley of the locked on Raptors podcast. Thank you, sir, for joining me. It was much, course, much appreciated. Man. And uh, yeah, what do you have uh, coming up? Anything fun? Anything you want to shout out? This is your time, sir. Yeah, there's Lockdown Raptors every day. You can go uh, listen to that Monday to Friday over and I got it on YouTube as well. So you can subscribe to the YouTube page. It's much appreciated when you do that. Uh, also, I do another podcast with uh, Yahoo Sports Zone, Katie Heindel, called uh, Basketball. It's uh, got a question mark in the title. Uh, we mostly talk about basketball through a sort of fun, quirky lens. And uh, that is uh, available wherever you get your podcasts. And also on Patreon, we have a Patreon page there if you want to sign up up it's like four bucks a month and it's much appreciated when you jump into our little patreon community you get extra bonus episodes and ad free episodes and all that good stuff so that's what i got man thank you for having me on much appreciated and everyone have a good weekend we'll talk to you soon see ya here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.